Welcome to another episode of Laboratory Considerations from Q Squared Solutions. I'm your host, Chris Connor. Q Squared Solutions is a leading clinical trial laboratory services organization with end to end laboratory services and secure enterprise wide biospecimen and consent management solutions. Q Squared Solutions uses its global experience and scientific expertise to transform science and data into actionable insights that help customers improve human health. This joint venture of IQVIA and Quest Diagnostics combines the best of each parent organization's capabilities to treat each sample as if a life depends on it. Joining me on this podcast is Dr. Matt Hutzler, Director of ADME Services at Q Squared Solutions. Matt, welcome. Thank you, Chris. Today, we're going to talk about considerations for high-throughput ADME screening. First of all, Matt, tell listeners about your background and how long you've been doing this. Okay, sure. So I have a, uh, a PhD in uh, pharmaceutical sciences uh, with a concentration in the area of drug metabolism and pharmacokinetics, also referred to as DMPK. I've worked as a DMPK project rep at two different large pharma companies for about 10 years, leading different DMPK studies to support discovery chemistry efforts in the effort to find optimized drug candidates for clinical testing. After my time within those companies, I joined Q Squared Solutions. Um, I've been with, with Q Squared Solutions now for a little over six years. Um, and here we partner with different pharma and biotech companies to support the needs that they might have within the area of DMPK or also commonly referred to as ADME or ADME. Remind everyone what ADME stands for and what we're assessing here in the discovery phase and then what properties are being evaluated. ADME stands for drug absorption, distribution, metabolism, and excretion. Once a drug or a medication is administered, whatever the route might be, but usually we think about an orally administered drug, right? The the ADME represents what I call the life cycle of what happens to the drug or what does the body do to the drug. So it must first be absorbed into the systemic circulation. Once it's absorbed, typically it distributes throughout the body into various tissues, etc. It ultimately gets metabolized by various families of, of metabolic enzymes, and these metabolic enzymes typically reside uh, in the liver. That's known as the primary drug metabolizing organ, so to speak. And then eventually the drug and any of its metabolites are excreted out of the body. So the kinetics, or the rate at which all these different physiological processes happen, is really important in order for the drug to achieve sufficient exposure or what we sometimes call concentration time profile or concentration time relationship to be effective for whatever the intended pharmacological response is and whatever disease is trying to be addressed. So different properties that might be assessed are things such as permeability, how well a drug molecule traverses a cell membrane at the intestine level in particular is a way to assess how well a drug might be absorbed. So that's the A in the ADME, as an example. Um, other things like physical chemical properties, plasma protein binding, so how, to what extent does a drug bind to 
uh, proteins in blood such as albumin, alpha-1 acid glycoprotein. Assessing those properties informs us as to how well or to what extent a drug might distribute throughout the body. And so distribution is the D in the ADME, for example. And then another example would be metabolic stability. We use different in vitro systems that are composed of typically liver matrices or liver fractions. Again, this is where most of the metabolic enzymes reside. And we can test how fast a drug may be metabolized. If it's metabolized too fast, it may not be a viable drug candidate because it may not reside in the body long enough to do its intended job or it might require too high of a dose or too frequent of a dose. Most of the time what we're after, you know, and as far as a target product profile for the projects that I've been a part of over the years is a drug that you could administer once per day at a fairly low dose. And so a drug needs to be fairly metabolically stable to enable that kind of a profile. So those are a few examples of the types of properties that are evaluated. What's the standard paradigm in the pharma industry for doing this type of screening? First of all, the great thing in my mind about about ADME is that no matter the therapeutic area, no matter what disease you're trying to treat, all drug candidates need to be assessed for their ADME properties, which in most cases, some ADME property or properties need to be improved or optimized in, in, in some way, usually by structural modification by a medicinal chemist or a team of of chemists. But the paradigm is generally what we call parallel optimization. What that means is, is that every new chemical entity or new drug candidate that a medicinal chemist might synthesize undergoes a round of basic uh, screening types of assays, high throughput assays to test some of these various ADME properties. And the reason we call it parallel optimization is simply because there are a lot of other tests being conducted on these new chemical entities or newly synthesized drug molecules in parallel. So there might be tests, biology tests, for example, trying to evaluate, okay, what's the potency of the drug on the intended target you're trying to hit? There could be safety tests that are being conducted to make sure that the drug is not hitting other pharmacological targets that you don't want the drug molecule to engage with or interact with. So there's a myriad of, of a lot of different tests that happen in parallel. And so when we say parallel optimization, ADME properties are often tested in parallel with all the other properties roughly at the same time or maybe within, you know, within weeks of each other. So in other words, you don't really wait for one test to come back to then do a subsequent test. Another concept here as far as the paradigm is developing what's called SAR, or structure activity relationships. So for any particular project with with a team of medicinal chemists, for example, they're synthesizing hundreds, maybe thousands of different drug molecules, but they're all similar in some some way. They're typically working within a a very similar structural class, and they're making modifications in different regions of, of, of the molecule. So Understanding SAR is is understanding a change the structure of this molecule in this one particular area. How did the property, how did the ADME property that I'm that I'm testing change? Did it improve metabolic stability, for example, or did it did it make metabolic stability worse? Did it make the molecule less stable metabolically? So developing that relationship helps the the medicinal chemist. It enables them to use 
this data and then basically develop a strategy for what's the next round of molecules that they want to synthesize. So they're using the data that ADME screening can provide to educate them about, okay, when I make my next round of molecules, what structural modifications should I make and have the, you know, the best probability of, uh, of success for improving the properties that, that they're evaluating. And there's usually a tiered approach to this. So, you know, there might be a, f a handful of what we call tier one ADME screening assays that essentially every drug molecule that gets synthesized will be tested in. So kind of the core ADME-based assays, again, some of the, the properties I mentioned earlier, assessing permeability, metabolic stability, maybe solubility, physchem properties, things like that. And then after that, the types of ADME screening assays that might be conducted might be really dependent upon what the issues are. Right, so every chemical class is a bit different structurally. They may have different issues that need addressed. So, you know, there might be tier two, tier three types of, of tests, and, and this is called a testing funnel. So a testing funnel concept is really, it's customized for a particular project or a particular class of compounds, and it's based on what are the properties that, that need to be improved and optimized. Tell us why speed is such an important consideration at this stage. It takes a really long time to find a drug candidate, get it through all of the preclinical testing, then all of the clinical trials that need to happen to show efficacy, safety, before it can ever become a drug on the market. There's numbers out there suggesting it can take 10 to 15 years and upwards of a billion dollars of R&D or research and development money to make that happen. So basically time is money. And so when you're in the discovery space and you're trying to optimize properties and ADME properties, including ADME properties, and you're trying to find that highly optimized drug candidate to then nominate and push into preclinical development and subsequently into clinical trials and clinical development, time is of the essence. You're trying to find that molecule as quickly as you can, and you're trying to find a molecule that would give you hopefully the best probability of success for for clinical studies, for achieving exposure that, that you need to achieve to be able to test for efficacy, test for safety, and, and things of that nature. So when you think about discovery chemistry and, and what I was describing earlier around teams of medicinal chemists, they'll synthesize a round of molecules, they'll submit those molecules for testing, they'll get that data back to inform them about the next round of molecules they want to synthesize. And the quicker they get that, that data back, the quicker they can use that data and, and use more of a rational drug design approach to synthesize their next round. So speed is of the utmost importance in discovery. I think. And this is something that is always, in my experience when I was working in the pharma industry, is always being driven is, is speed, speed, speed. The quicker you can get data back, the quicker you can make decisions, the quicker you can inform your project teams and your chemists of where to direct their efforts and their resources for the next round of molecules that they want to synthesize and then test. It's all about as quick a cycle time as you can possibly get. And many companies might choose at this point to outsource the testing overseas for cost reasons, but why would it make sense to do that testing closer to home? I think there's a quite a history of, in particular, large pharma clients and, and uh, companies 
sending molecules overseas, whether it's China or India, because I think you know there are reputable, there, there are large, well-known CROs overseas that can do this kind of testing. And historically, it's been very cheap to do that. And so I think that's something that the companies kind of internally decided that that's, that was going to be their strategy. But I think what we're hearing a lot more today is that it may not be as cheap as it was. And when you consider, you know, you're shipping molecules that are made in the U.S. overseas. So there's shipping time, there's shipping costs, oftentimes potentially shipping delays with customs and things of that nature. We're hearing is that it may not be as cheap as it once was. So when you, to the previous question around speed and and cycle times when you consider the reduced cycle times of not having to ship compounds overseas the cost being very comparable when doing this within the U.S. for example I think we we really do challenge that shipping compounds overseas is is the right thing to do and we think we can provide this data uh, at Q squared solutions much faster and with the same level of and maybe better quality and to help drive projects even faster than shipping compounds overseas. Now, a lot of companies have their molecules synthesized overseas as well, so they outsource some of their chemistry. And, you know, if the molecule is being synthesized overseas, it probably makes sense to do the subsequent atomy screening overseas. But I think if it's being made, molecules are being made in the United States, it probably does not make sense to ship overseas because that, that testing can easily be done within the United States. And the price is very competitive. Right. So the bottom line is shipping molecules for ADME screening where turnaround time is critical, you're adding a significant chunk of time. Yep, that's correct. And if some of the sponsors that, that we've that we work with and, and have talked to have actually made decisions such as this to, you know, if the molecule is synthesized in the US, they want to do the screening in the US for these reasons that we just described. When you mentioned customs alone. I mean, that to me would seem to be a black box. How long is it going to sit there if you don't know? Right. It's an unknown. You know, that, that, that could be unanticipated delays in getting the data you need, you know, to drive your projects. So that's, that, that's definitely a factor. Of course, automation comes into play since we're talking high throughput. But what other factors contribute to shortening the turnaround time? Yeah, so you touched on an important topic around automation. So to to run the number of molecules and and test the number of of drug candidates in in a high-throughput lab in a discovery setting where speed is of the essence, uh, simply automation has to be a part of it. So at Q-Squared Solutions, we have a fleet of different types of automation platforms to enable us to run a large number of, of compounds. It helps with reproducibility and I think the quality of the data. But other things that are needed is is not just the automation for conducting the assay, but automation on the back end to do the bioanalysis. You know, having auto samplers that can handle and auto-inject a large number of samples overnight, for example, and you need a fleet of analytical instruments. So we, we typically use LCMS or mass spectrometry types of, of bioanalytical. And so you have to have a fleet of, of different LCMS systems and have to, to have the capacity to run the large number of, of compounds and samples that, that we generate. You have to have also compound management. So you need a sophisticated compound management system, which enables you to store compounds that you get. So if you think about receiving several hundred compounds, maybe as many as a thousand compounds per week, 
envision trying to manage that manually yourself. There's no way you can do that. So you need a, a sophisticated compound management system that you can store compounds. You can also subsequently retrieve the compounds that, that, that you need that are being requested for a specific ADME type of an assay and retrieve those fairly quickly and accurately to then take those compounds, go to the bench in the lab, to whatever automation platform you're using to conduct your assays. And then you obviously need a data management system. So some type of a, a LIMS management system to help you schedule studies, schedule assays, schedule specific compounds for assays, and also track your metrics. Clients are also very interested in your metrics. You know, how what was your average turnaround time, let's say, for this assay? And I think Th those are critically important. That's very helpful because I th imagine many people don't think about all of those factors. So they imagine even if they're sending a hundred samples or a thousand samples, they're picturing those being loaded onto an auto sampler and analyzed. Right. But they're not imagining the fact that those are a thousand among many other thousands <laughs> that are going through the same system. Right. Yep. And the, the effort it takes to make sure the right ones are in there, to find them when they're needed, and, and so on. Yep. So. yep, definitely. It's a challenge. But yeah, if you have the right tools in place, um, then it certainly can enable you to, to do this type of work and do it well. So how do you see ADME screening evolving over the next five to ten years? What, what should people be thinking about in terms of anticipating? I think one of the things is certainly whatever can be done to even further improve speed and turnaround time. So there are always new technologies out there, new automation platforms to enable higher capacity to be able to, again, even enable quicker turnaround times. I think one of the other things too is moving some of these assays, which typically are run in, you know, let's say maybe 50 microliters to maybe 200 microliter volumes for some of these basic in vitro assays to more of a nano scale. Nano is a very highly utilized term these days. And so scaling things down into a nano scale, so equipment technologies that enables you to deliver nanoliters instead of microliters is I think will be important. And then continued software tools, automation tools to speed up the data analysis. You know, so being able to look at the data after you've um, analyzed all the samples that you've generated and to do so in a much more efficient way. So there's software tools out there that are available. There's always new approaches to speed up that process. Sometimes that, that takes a long time because you have to manually look through all the data, all the raw data, make sure everything looks right. There's always criteria that you need to to follow as, as per either your own criteria or a lot of times the client will will provide criteria for you for their data. And so, and I think lastly, just thinking about more and more different chemotypes or modalities, there's a lot of different therapeutics out there such as peptides. We're seeing a lot more peptides these days. We're also seeing a lot of hybrid type molecules like peptides linked to small molecules. So different chemotypes, which impacts the way that you may need to analyze for these, these types of molecules. Antibody drug conjugates, oligonucleotides, protein therapeutics. A lot of companies, their portfolios are, are growing in these sort of what we call large molecule, in the large molecule space. So we're going to have to continue to think about different approaches and, and ways to 
do testing on these types of molecules because you know how these new chemotypes or modalities are absorbed and and how they might be metabolized or broken down and and how they might be excreted out of the body are all still need to be assessed we've been very very small molecule chemical structure focused but we're going to have to get more knowledgeable more skilled at uh, dealing with these other modalities well matt hutzler thank you so much for those insights into high throughput admi screening i'm going to remind listeners to look for an insight brief on this topic at q squared labsolutions.com and that's actually q the number two labsolutions.com okay well thank you chris i appreciate the time my pleasure <laughs>